Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Coming up in this edition of TV Black Box, Channel 10 releases its big ideas for 2022. Our verdict on whether it's tops or a flop. The truth about Lisa Wilkinson's claims against the Today Show and Carl Stefanovic. And a shock casting decision for the new series of Seven's Big Brother All-Stars. Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. TV Black Box, it's about to start. Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. And it is a very big welcome as we record on a Thursday night. The TV Black Box is coming to you. I'm Rob McKnight. I'm joined from Sydney by Mulk. Hello, Mulky. Uh, hello, Rob. Hello, everyone. I appear to be the only person watching The Bachelorette. Uh, we'll get to that, but indeed he do. David Robbo Robinson joins us from the GC. Hello, Robbo. Great to be with you all. Aaron's on the other side of the country over in Shut Down, Lock the Borders Up, WA. Yes, hello, gorgeous people, and just the way we like it. And we're recording a day late just because Rob wanted to catch up on Love Island Australia, I believe. He was the only one. <laughs> Indeed. Sarah understands why we were a day late. I had to hobnob, Sarah. You're in Florida. Ooh. I had to go to a festival. You know how it is. What kind of festival are you going to where you need to hobnob? Mm. That makes me feel uncomfortable. I went to the Italian Film Festival. Oh. I think it's the Big Knob Festival, Robbo. <laughs> <laughs> That's the better joke. I should have had that. He does like the Big Knob. Yes. It was a better joke. All right. Look, there is a lot to get through in this edition of the TV Black Box, so let's get into it. We've already seen what 7 and 9 have on offer for 2022, and this week it was Channel 10's turn. The network delivered a fun and vibrant presentation which pushed its progressive agenda and under-50s appeal. Returning shows include Ratings Juggernaut, Have You Been Paying Attention, Ratings Dog, The Doghouse Australia, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, Bachelor and Bachelorette, The Masked Singer, The Amazing Race, Australian Survivor with a blood versus water theme. You might remember that was first revealed by Kevin Perry on TV Black Box in July. And MasterChef Australia brings in the old favourite for a much-needed ratings boost with foodies versus favourites. New shows include First Dates Australia, Would I Lie to You Australia, and the one which most appeals to me, Hunted Australia, and apparently Channel 10 is not making any shows that do not include the word Australia in them. Now look, at each upfront <laughs> event, TV Black Box talks to the executives of the respective network, so here's our chat with Channel 10. Oh, sorry, just got word. They don't speak to us, so wouldn't talk to us. Breaking! <laughs> Maybe if we called ourselves TV Black Box Australia, they'd talk to us. <laughs> oh, shots fired! Anyway, 
Despite the media ban in place and how we weren't officially supposed to watch the upfront presentation, we did. And Mulk, it was a fun presentation, I've got to say, and I love what they do with Rod Prosser and, you know, they're, they're building on the fun they had with him and James Corden. But I've got to be honest, it failed to excite me because they're bringing back shows which simply aren't firing this year. But I really do love the concept of Hunter. That really appeals to me. I don't want to correct you off the bat, Rob, and thank you for the question, but it's Hunted Australia. Uh, we do need to reinforce that Channel 10 only make programs with the word Australia in it. Uh, look, that's the nature of the beast for them. Look, I'm really conflicted when it comes to 10's upfront announcement event because uh, you're right, they put on a hell of a show. They do a great job of entertaining. Mm. And even though everyone couldn't be in the same room, their pre-recorded sizzle of everything, mate, looked white hot. Um, the, the challenge was once you scratched at the surface, it didn't look like there was a whole bunch of substance. Mm. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. And I just want to pick up a little point, though, Mulk. Yes. I found the integration between the stuff shot on the big screen mm. and the stuff shot on a chroma key very jarring. I would have thought, do it all chroma key or do it all big screen because yeah. it, it felt different. It, it just it just lacked a little bit of what they were going for. I felt they actually could have shot it all on a chroma key because the way they did the process stuff, yes. they could have followed that right through because what that allowed to do, them to do was control the imagery perfectly yes. behind him. And it would have looked seamless at that point, right? Yeah. Now, look, I don't know that advertisers are caring about that, but just for my production eye, I found that jarring. But as I say, Aaron, on the whole, I found it to be a good show. But for me, Aaron, it was all sizzle, no steak. Well, Rob, I, there was a bit of steak in there for me. It wasn't too Ooh. bad. Look, we do talk about 10 and some of their failures. Look, they are bringing back I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. That rated okay. Australian Survivor was okay. Last time, The Amazing Race. Uh, 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 Survivor was a, was the biggest show of the year for 10. That's Absol- great. That absolutely. That the Amazing Race was okay. MasterChef fell this year, but the previous year, obviously, it did very well. They're bringing back Julie Goodwin um, and Your others. Your use of the so- word okay is very generous. I will give yeah. you that, Aaron. Yeah, okay. And, but- and let's be honest, MasterChef, they're cashing in. Back to win worked a treat for them. They're trying to get some momentum. But what this shows is a normal version of MasterChef doesn't work anymore, and they've realised that, which is why they're bringing in the celebrity component. But even celebrity MasterChef doesn't work, so it has to be the celebrity MasterChefs. Well, that's the, <laughs> that that's the bit of steak that you're talking about. And, of course, mm. they have Gogglebox. The Masked Singer Australia should do better this year with more flexibility with having an audience um, and international yep. travel. Have you been paying attention? And the Chief Seats actually has picked up. Uh, I do like the sound of Hunted, just like you do as well. Hunted Australia. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, you know, um, First Dates Australia may go with 10's demographic a bit better than 7's, and Would I Lie to You probably is a good show. Australia, um, they... Would I Lie to You Australia. <laughs> would I? Oh, my. Why don't I just say the word Australia just to start everything off? But that should, um, quarter one, because Have You Been Paying Attention doesn't come back until usually Easter, so that should be a, a, a much better start to the year. All in all, not bad. Of course, the challenge is definitely the Bachelor franchise. I'm pretty sure they're going to... Bachelor Australia. Oh, God! I'm going insane! But, yeah, the Bachelor Australia, um, they'll probably do something like a Sophie Bunk or Honey Badger style 
uh, Star Power edition. But with all with all those shows returning, I, I actually don't think it's a, it's a bad lineup. And putting in the Hunted Australia in there as well, I, I don't think it's too bad. At least they're making an Australian version of everything and not just importing all the US and UK. But they stuff. are they're importing every concept. That's why they're having to put Australia on the end of it. But they're at least got some Australian accents on there, and they're not just straight up buying foreign sure. stuff. The difficulty for 10, and, and I would agree with you largely, Sarah, except that, of course, there's going to be the largest proportion of their drama is bought in. You know, the NCIS franchises, Bull, you know, all of that stuff is going to land and anything else that CBS come up with. I, I, it was a tale of two stories for mine, and that was here's the Paramount Plus story and here's the 10 story. And by and large, the Paramount Plus story had the most interesting story to tell. Um, with the content that's going there, the fact that there's uh, a new uh, season of Five Bedrooms going there, which they'd already announced, but it, that it's coming across, uh, and a- acknowledging that we will still probably see Five Bedrooms on 10, that they're pushing it as a Paramount Plus original to go there first is telling. There's already been great feedback that I've seen anecdotally around people who are overseas that are Socceroos fans being able to watch Socceroos games on Paramount Plus. So it's not just an Australian deal they've cut for that. That's cut internationally. However, 10 have this struggle that if we just look at their schedule in isolation, it sounds kind of okay. Like there's good things and there's bad things. But when it goes up against 7 and 9 schedule that they've already given us, I can't see them getting out of third place. You raise an interesting point, Mark, because there was a lot of time spent on Paramount Plus and a shifting of who was trying yeah. to associate themselves with Paramount Plus and 10 was almost an afterthought. There's a feeling to me that people at 10 are trying to line themselves up with potential success of Paramount+. Plus, But look, with the launch of several new shows, we also found out about some of the shows which will not be returning to 10 in 2020. These include How to Stay Married, Husey We Have a Problem, Bondi Rescue, Territory Cops, Mr Black, Making It Australia and The Cube. Oh, that's one hell of a list, Darren. I have to say, I cannot believe the Doghouse Australia isn't on that list and, for that matter, The Bachelorette. Australia. <laughs> well, actually, the Doghouse Australia actually improved in its second week, Rob, and and did okay in in total TV, you know, but with its increase as well. So, do you uh, know, I once had a dream to be a programmer, oh, and my dream was to make a programming slate with a raft of programs that did okay, <laughs> not great. Not magnificent, (laughs) not ratings gangbusters. My dream, when I was a little boy dreaming of getting into television, was to make okay television and get okay ratings. So, well done, Channel 10. Well done. (laughs) A little bit uh, surprised about The Cube. I mean, it didn't rate that well, but I'm sure, and I couldn't find the article, I'm sure Andy Lee said that, it was coming back this year. 100% he did. When yeah, we did it. all the articles about um, The 100 coming, he went on Twitter and said that it was coming back. Yeah, so, I mean, that's a surprise that it's not coming back, but not a surprise uh, d- due to the ratings, obviously. Husey mm. uh, wasn't doing well on a Monday night, wasn't matching anywhere near Have You Been Paying Attention, so that was a goner. Um, so no other surprises, really. Robbo, did you see it? Did you see it, Robbo? 
No, I didn't get an invite to it, so I can't. <laughs> you, you, you guys didn't invite me to it, even though you didn't get an invite either. It turns out half the country were watching it because the link got yeah. spread just almost on social media. I didn't get it. Okay, we'll stay right there because in a moment we are going to be looking at the news stories of the week, including Lisa Wilkinson. She's been dropping some serious shade on Carl Stefanovic and the Today Show, but it looks like all her claims might not add up. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Well, the pre-publicity campaign for Lisa Wilkinson's new book has hit a snag, with key claims about her time on the Today Show proving to be false. After extracts were published in several News Corp papers, it didn't take long for journalists, including Samantha Maiden and Peter Ford, to debunk some of Lisa's claims. These include that she was taken off every interview on her last episode of the Today Show. A rundown from that episode proves the interviews were spread between her and co-host Carl Stefanovic. But the other big one is the ongoing narrative over the gender pay gap. It's now been revealed Lisa was on double the pay of Carl when she first joined the program, but over time Carl ended up earning more after a lucrative offer from Seven, which Nine had to match to keep him. Now, this is an interesting twist, considering I don't believe pay parity has a place when it comes to on-screen talent. The simple fact is an entertainer is a commodity networks use to make money. They invest in talent they believe will drive ratings and revenue. When Lisa first joined today, she was seen as the bigger draw card and got the rewards. Then Carl got drunk at the Logies and connected with viewers, so he got the big pay rise. On Studio 10, Ida Buttrose was the highest paid panellist. On Today Extra, Sonia Kruger earned a lot more money than David Campbell. Talent fees are not based on gender and nor should they be. They should always be based on that person's value to the project. All that aside, Robbo, it does seem like Lisa's memory can't be trusted. Well, the problem is it's 1958 and we don't have videotape to record those episodes <laughs> that happened. Uh, so we can just write anything we like in a book and uh, it can't be disputed. No, we're not in that. We're 2021. <laughs> this is a really big deal because just that first five or ten minutes uh, is completely disputed uh, from what was written in the book compared to what was on the the video and we've all seen the video so we need to recap robo because we didn't mention this this is the um extract that said carl hadn't gone to her the renewal of her vows he didn't speak to her in the studio until they were on air and she and then he played lovey asked her a question about a weekend and a wedding she says she gave him the cold shoulder and basically threw straight to the news with sylvia but peter ford released video that disproved that yeah, exactly right. And if you look at that video, um, I don't want to say where it came from, but it was a clean feed with no supers, no weather, uh, nothing on it. Now, the only people who have access to that <laughs> are our Kerry Packer, uh, uh, bless him and uh, love him, uh, and everyone at Channel 9. So that video what, that came what's out... What's wrong with that? 
there's nothing wrong with that, but I just wanted to say that, you know, let's let's yeah, talk about but, where that video but came on, from. But, but Which is a fair point. I have no problem, Robbo, with Channel 9 feeding this material out because yeah. claims are being made. That was just a fun fact that if we were doing a DVD thing, it was like a fun fact on DVD commentary. Yeah. No, no, it's all good. It's yeah. all good. And I just, Gary Packer, hi. I just I, don't, if I was 9, I'd be releasing every bit of evidence I can to disprove her 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 book if if it's factually incorrect but that's the problem though because then it casts doubt though over the rest of the book because none of what she yeah. said happened uh happened on that clip and that's a really big deal look if you're going to write a story when you're in a medium that is either television or radio especially television in the age of youtube uh you need to get your facts right and if if that was a bugbear of yours at that particular time where lisa remembers and as peter ford has wonderfully uh, wonderfully said we we can't judge how she felt uh, and, and that is exactly right. That's tickety-boo. Um, but we can judge the facts. And the facts were that um, the way that she described that reaction or that interaction, rather, uh, just didn't happen. And, and if that was a big bugbear of yours and you're going to write that in the book and you're going to approve the release of that as an excerpt before the book is released, you want to get your facts straight and you want to watch that clip. That's the biggest thing. I, I really like Lisa Wilkinson as an operator. I like the way that, you know, the way that she works on screen. Uh, I've worked with her before. I really liked her. But this worries me when there are so many other facts that are disputed. Maybe instead of calling the book, it didn't have to be this way. She should have just called it, it didn't be this way. It didn't happen this way. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Oh, wow. All right. The Nine Network appears poised to lock in a contract extension for NRL broadcast rights in a deal that will ensure the network remains the free-to-air home of the sport until 2027. According to media reports, the Australian and SMH reveal Nine is expected to invest $600 million in cash and contra over the next five years to maintain control of the NRL competition. Nine had been facing stiff opposition to maintaining rights with the NRL. According to further reports, the Seven Network had formed a partnership with Foxtel to launch a rival bid for the sport, but eventually walked away. <laughs> Mulk, there was no way Nine was ever going to walk away from the NRL, but at least Seven made them pay. Yeah, I can exclusively reveal on the podcast tonight, Rob, that this was absolutely Seven's ploy at digging at Nine's coffers. Nine wanted the NRL. They were never going to let it go. They cannot afford to let it go. The relationship is longstanding and it is worth too much to, for them in the winter. As much as it pains them to pay 600 mil plus contra um, for the five-year deal, it's so very important. It is a part of the DNA of Wide World of Sports. So to see that deal come through will be great news for NRL fans um, and Foxtel fans, of course, uh, in the background for that as well. Uh, it's going to be uh, an interesting five years as some of the off-field antics of players are coming to light and shedding some real concern over mm. how the audience perceive the NRL. Now, some people don't care. But some people certainly do. And I think Nine will be wanting the NRL to crack down hard on the players to make sure that they deliver the most professional product that they can. Well, Nine is a tr traditional home of NRL, so it makes sense that they're there. And also, I didn't like the fact when Seven shared the AFL with Ten. You know, it's good when it's on one channel. The only thing I would say is $600 million 
for a fair for a, for a sport that only rates in one and a half markets, and that's being Sydney, obviously. And I mean, it does obviously okay in Brisbane, but only when the Brisbane teams are playing. Better than okay in Brisbane. Yeah, but look at the Friday night ratings: four hundred and fifty thousand on a Friday on a Friday night. How big do you think Brisbane is? Well, I'm, I'm talking about across Sydney and Brisbane. It's about 450,000, you know. I mean, obviously the state of origin rates are the finals rate, but, I mean, the AFL completely outrates it. I mean, and even on some nights when there's been no AFL on seven or nothing on, you know, um, on Thursday night, no Thursday night football, Channel 7 still beat, beat them with filler programming. It doesn't rate us anywhere near what the AFL does. I just I just think $600 million is a lot of money for something that, that rates in one and a half markets. Well, it's not $600 million. It's $600 million uh, including contra. So there could be a $200,000 contra component, which means NRL commercials on nine and associated brands. All right. As we're recording on a Thursday night this week, it gives us an opportunity to see how the big franchises have faced this week so far. On Sunday night, the block did over 1 million Metro viewers for nine, while Celebrity MasterChef slipped into third with 561,000. On Monday, Have You Been Paying Attention continues to do great business for 10, but the project is in real trouble on 472,000 for the 7pm part. The Blues must be loving the block, which continues to deliver, but Love Island only pulled in 265,000. News and Home and Away kept the Reds in the game as SAS Hell Week tanked on 387,000. On Tuesday, it was pretty much rinse and repeat, except Tens The Doghouse Australia was in the mix, coming in second with a softish, but OK, 507,000. And then we get to Wednesday with the launch of The Bachelorette. Well, 10 might want to rethink renewing the tired format for 2022, as even the allure of a bisexual bachelorette couldn't titillate more than 397,000 viewers. If 10 thinks those numbers are worth a renewal, then it's pretty obvious to me the executives are out of ideas. The casting of a bisexual bachelorette shows the network is out of step with what conservative TV viewers want. But to be honest, outside of the block of news, all TV figures on that night were pretty dire. Robbo, what do you think of all that? Well, the biggest thing is, though, Rob, is that, yes, last night's Bachelorette... Was it Bachelorette? Yes. I never Australia. know. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Last night's episode of The Bachelorette launched at 397,000, and everyone's all like, oh, that's, you know, awful for the for the uh, the concept and for the franchise. But then Love Island went for 311,000, but then everyone gives Love Island, weirdly this free pass to say that it's going to be on VOD. The Bachelorette is in a primetime 7.30 position. This is primetime reality TV. It was the lowest launch of The Bachelorette ever. Love Island is in a 9 o'clock time slot. It's never going to get the same kind of figures, 9 o'clock-ish. It's never going to get the same figures as a 7.30 program. Having said that, I don't overly think those figures for Love Island are acceptable either. The thing that Nine has on their side is Love Island is a digital play and does very well on the digital platforms. The thing that um, Nine has on their side is that apart from Gruen on Wednesday night and probably have you been paying attention, nothing after 8.30 is doing above 300K. Mm. So Love Island doing 280, 250, 290 
is completely acceptable in that slot because the competition it's up against largely delivers the same or worse. Gruen did 702,000 last night, and have you been paying attention, pulled late 600s? Like, they are the only, other than Gogglebox, which I'd expect we'll see, are the only ones that pull anything above 300k in the week. But what that does show, and I keep coming back to this, Mulk, with the right programming, a network could have a steady feed of 350, 400,000 viewers. Um, the fact that have you been paying attention shows viewers will go to 8.30, 9 o'clock programming. I think there's a big hole here and I think the networks are taking a swing and a miss here. They're putting programs on at 9 o'clock. They know there's ratings and revenue to be gained. They're not putting the right programs on. I think a stripped format Monday to Thursday is 100% the way to go. Yeah, where this whole debate comes in again about overnights versus total TV, I think it will depend. I mean, that figure for The Bachelor Australia um, is not a good figure either way. If it pushes like Love Island does and has a huge uh, BVOD audience, then it might be okay. But, you know, that is unacceptable. But with Love Island Australia, those figures are under 300,000 are completely unacceptable for that for that time period. It is completely unacceptable. However, when you put in the total TV figures and you're getting over 700,000 for that time slot and beating the competition, apart from, as you say, have you been paying attention and growing, that is a huge audience for Love Island. So there is potential for The Bachelorette if a lot of people are going to watch this online Mm. after the show and not watch it live. But that's a a small base to be starting from. Anything after the 7.30 primetime slots finish, and we know that that's anywhere from 8.40 to 9.27, is barely, as I said, other than those shows we spoke about earlier, is barely pulling above 300. That's the standard now. Um, so it not being good enough is a probably not an unfair call. However, that's what everybody's doing. Everybody, as in the viewers, are jettisoning linear free-to-air television to go and watch other things. And that's what we're seeing, whether it's BVOD or it's streaming. I really don't think it is just the standard. I mean, shows like Paramedics, there's been heaps of shows. This is because we're in Q4 and the ratings have been down, but a lot of shows actually rate more than 300,000. The 100 with Andy Lee did well. Uh, As I said, Paramedics as well. But when you're creating Australian content that's quite expensive and only getting 290,000 viewers out of it, then that's fine. If you're showing Deadpool and getting 290,000 viewers for that, well, then, you know, you can write that off. But, I mean, that's an expensive program to be running four nights a week, sub 300,000 viewers. Depends on the modelling. Yeah, that's Depends right. on the modelling. Depends if they have high expectations for linear broadcast or Which they they've don't. sold packages based on catch-up and... Which they have. Um, and, and digital Integrations uh, as well, right? Yeah. So... Which, which, so which, by the way, was my point, which is those ratings are subpar. However, because of that huge yeah. increase at the total TV audience and getting over 700,000 for that time slot for, for Love Island is actually extraordinary. So, I actually, that, but, I was actually but you made the comparison to The Bachelorette and said, why are we picking on The Bachelorette and not Love Island? I don't think the figures it got of 295,000 or whatever it was is great. But sorry, The Bachelorette, the launch of what their reinvention of a bisexual bachelor. And I need to be clear, I love diversity. I'm all for it. But let's be real, okay? The fact is this was never going to work. And anyone who is 
like worked five minutes in this TV industry would know that a bisexual bachelorette was never going to play. The simple fact is the format was tired and this just looks like a desperate ploy to try and get in ratings. This, If this had been done in 2012, it might have created a stir and the outrage to get viewers, right, because the internet wasn't big enough and, you know, the, the fact is the idea of a woman kissing a woman now is not that big a deal. If they got a bisexual male bachelor... Would that be different? I'm telling you right now, you you put a bisexual uh, male as the bachelor. Look, I might be being too harsh there, but it won't work either. And this is not being anti-gay. I agree. I don't think I can ever be accused of that. No, no, I agree with you. The simple fact is... Maybe they're just hoping there'll be some threesomes in the house and people will watch that. There never will be. It's not going to play. And the problem they face now is that they know this isn't playing, so they're going to cut it back and the bisexual nature of the series will disappear or be really, really toned down because the network will now be panicking on how to get mainstream Australia back to the franchise. The simple fact is free-to-air television is mainstream Australia. What is mainstream Australia? Essentially, it's straight down the middle and a fraction to the right. So yeah. they're mildly conservative. I, I again right? hold a, a counterpoint opinion to you, Rob. The challenge for poor old 10 is that they can't recut this too greatly because there's a 50-50 split between men and women trying sure. to court Brooke. So oh, it is can't... what it is, but we're, we're not going to see big, full-on pass-offs. No. no, we did tonight. They'd only just seen the figures. Let's see what happens as it goes forward. All right, Big Brother fans are being treated to more special editions of the series with a Back to the Future edition currently filming. And The Wash has already revealed some of the old housemates who will be re-entering. Among those confirmed is Reggie Bird from 2003, Trevor Butler from 2004, and possibly most controversial, Tully and Drew, who famously had an affair on the show when Tully was still in a relationship with her girlfriend. Tim Dormer from 2013 season will also be back. I've got to say, these names are actually exciting me, Malk. And they make my heart skip a little bit as well because I remember very fondly Reggie and Trevor's series. Um, I even remember watching Tim Dormer's series because at the time Tim was an acquaintance. Acquaintance. I, I guess I'm just a little bit stuck in it because I think when you go to the well of past you know, contestants and you want to do it justice, you're in a really difficult position. And and look, there could be more than that. I'm sure, I hope there's more than that. Um, There's a whole list of people that I would have put in in front of two-thirds of that list. Really? Yes. Reggie, there's been a big campaign to get Reggie on. I'm so pleased that she's on it. And I can confirm she is absolutely on it, although she's in so much trouble with me. Because she didn't tell me. She signed an NDA. Oh, she my did God. not. That's the point. Yeah. Tell me. Um, can, can I say I agree with Malk on this? I think that Reggie is the 100% uh, person who is overdue to be back in any yes. Big Brother house, which she is amazing. Um, I would have liked to have seen uh, Sarah Marie way before Tim Dorner. Uh, there's there's no question on that. I think there are plenty of people. Sorry. Yeah. I, I think Sarah Marie's in there. 
Great. Well, I would have put a, a, another 400 million people from the old. I would have liked to see Blair back. I, you know, he's he's wandering around Ramsey Street. He doesn't know how to get out of it anymore, but <laughs> he's certainly not making it to any of the uh, the scenes. Um, but just, just to see some of these people are back there a bit weird. But I love that Reggie is back. Reggie is someone who should have been back. Uh, this is her right time. This is amazing. This is brilliant. I watched the first series of Big Brother on 7. I didn't watch the second series. I am absolutely going to watch the third series because of the wonderful Reggie. Easy. Yeah, I, I don't know what um, changed, but uh, I'm so glad she's back. But I tell you what, I think it's going to be interesting when the full cast list does come out, mm. who's missing. Are we expect are we expecting the two guys that were involved in the teabagging incident to be back oh, for this God. series? No, I don't think there's any turkey slaps or tea. Bags. Oh, the turkey slaps. Oh, that's what I meant to say. That joke's done. <laughs> Sorry, Aaron. I will have an Earl Grey though. Delicious. Aaron, thank you. An Earl Grey white with two. Well, I mean, sorry. The same thing. Yeah. Can I have a oh, chai mate. with a hint of milk? You blew it. You blew oh, it. All right. Shit. We love talking about what TV shows we're watching and enjoying here at TV Blackbox. And now, more than two hundred critics, journalists, academics, and industry figures have voted on the best shows of the 2000s for the BBC. Game of Thrones came in at number five. In fourth was Fleabag. Breaking Bad in third place. And Mad Men was the runner-up to The Wire in first position. Other shows in the top 100 include 30 Rock, Black Mirror, The Handmaid's Tale, Schitt's Creek and Gilmore Girls. Oh, I wonder who included that mention, Abby Mickelson, our producer. Um, I've got to say, this list is so elitist. Oh, this is not what people are watching. <laughs> Most TV viewers don't know what The Wire is. Come on. This- my, my in-laws watch The Wire and they only watch, like, stupid kids, like, television shows and yet they watch The Wire. And I'm like, isn't that very adult If I may, Rob, I agree with you in part, and that is that people aren't necessarily watching The Wire because it finished nearly 10 years ago. <laughs> this list has some of the most incredible television in recent history ever. I found it very hard to disagree with the top 10. Uh, there are a lot of incredible shows in there. My personal favourite. Well, you're meant to be the viewer's advocate, not the critic's wanker. No, but no, 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 but the viewer's advocate is saying because The Wire was huge with viewers. And so still the viewer's is. People still watch it. It's like The job. Office. People still turn it, it on and watch episodes. Yeah. <laughs> It's like there are phenomenons of television and we see things like Breaking Bad, like The Wire, make it into these lists over and over again. Breaking Bad finished 10 years ago next year. Um, You know, they keep making these lists because not only are they incredible storytelling, but they actually change the way we tell stories on television. And that is the reason that these kinds of lists get created. And you, you always see the same top 5, 6, 12 because these shows are amazing. Yeah. Uh, what I'm going to say, though, is we, we're seeing a lot of holes in the lists. Oh, we don't see Agro's Cartoon Connection, which I think is a very big <laughs> An thing. Emission, um, for sure. Yep, we don't see Wombat. We don't see any of that. Also, we don't see Blue Healers. Uh, the Black, Andrew, Boris, the Black Robert Knight. Show. Man, Black, oh, man. 
I don't, Australia. Man, oh man oh, Doug Mulray, um, yeah, All Saints. <laughs> Naughtiest home videos. Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad, of course. Hey, Dad, I wanted you to say that Sarah I before I know. <laughs> I find it all a bit wankery, to be honest. I, Have you watched The Wire, I, I don't know. Uh, no, I didn't. Oh. Hmm. Curious. <laughs> like, a lot of other viewers. Anyway, now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches <laughs> with someone whose viewing choices... I was going to say I do trust, but you are so into NCIS. Here's Sarah. Oh, Sarah watches so much shit. Don't even. <laughs> wow. I just don't watch network TV. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Plans have been unveiled for a new Screen Queensland Studios in Cairns. The space will house a soundstage and support facilities, including production offices, construction, event spaces, and more. Construction of the film and TV studio complex is set to commence in early 2022 and open by the middle of the year. Elizabeth Moore has been appointed Head of Audience Data and Insights at the ABC. Her background includes 10 years at Telstra as Executive for Data, Reporting and Analytics, and she will begin the role on November 15th. After nine years in the yellow skibby as the first ever female wiggle, Emma Watkins will depart the children's group at the end of the year with 15-year-old Sahai Hawkins taking up the role. And for older Wiggles fans, the original group will be reuniting in February 22 for an over-18 tour across Australia. Tara Colton has been appointed SMW's new executive producer of Digital Sport. She replaces Paul Moore, who relocated earlier this year to Europe. Tara will manage digital and social strategies and operations for Seven Sport, including next year's Olympic Winter Games Beijing and the 2022 Commonwealth Games, along with digital sports programming. And that is this week's Hatches and Dispatches. Thank you, Sarah. Now it's time to open the TV binge box and find out what everyone's been watching. Mulkey, let's get your big one out and show it to us. Your list, that is. Whatever do you mean, Robert? Um, <laughs> friends, I've had limited time this week, so I've tried to stay away from all of the bad stuff and only focus... So just 250 shows. Focus on the good things. Um, appreciate your comments, Rob. Thank you so much for that. Um, Lower Decks <laughs> Season 2 finished up on Amazon Prime Video, and I've really enjoyed that as a Star Trek animated different take on the universe. That's been fun. Only Murders in the Building on Disney Plus finished up. And if you want to know who done it, well, I'm not going to tell you because Rob will kill me. Uh, it is delightful hmm. fun. Steve Martin, Martin Short, and uh, a young lady who can't act to save herself. Um it is a delightful script, very funny, and I'm enjoying it. I'm looking forward to season two. That is a given. Um, we Work is a documentary that has just landed on Amazon Prime that I'm going to watch immediately after this. I've seen every trailer, read every bit of information about it. Think the Fire Festival, but for startups. Um, this is a situation, it's a business that got over $47 billion in startup money and fell on its ass. It's an incredible time. Probably because the CEO did a lot of cocaine. Did a lot of cocaine and, and did a massive run-up, basically. He got a whole lot of money and got out of there. Um, yeah. So I'm keen to see that. That's on Amazon Prime Video. Wentworth finishes up this coming Tuesday night, the final Till Tuesday ever, friends. And I can tell you after seeing um, a, 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 an interview with a whole bunch of the cast that Foxtel put on as a special – I'm so hotly anticipating this final episode. It's going to be explosive in every sense of the word and a fitting end to an incredible series, a great Australian drama on Foxtel. Congratulations uh, to them and the team involved. 
naturally, Succession started this week. This is my final show on Binge and on Fox Showcase. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to watch the first six, first seven episodes. So I've only got three more to go, and I cannot wait to talk about every single episode of the season with anybody that wants to corner me about it. This is incredible drama, the only currently running drama to be uh, show to be in that top ten of that list that we talked about earlier in the program, the top 100 shows. Uh, And, Mob, just quickly, I just want to ask uh, Brian Walsh, I know you're listening, uh, if I could get a a sign-in so I can watch uh, the amount of succession that uh, Malk has watched, that'd be fantastic. So, Walshie, just let Robbo know. uh, And thanks for for listening, Walshie, and I appreciate you hooking me up, quite frankly. Um, But succession is stellar drama, and if you are in any way interested in, in good production, good drama, or particularly a fictional story about a media tycoon family that hate each other, this is the story for you. The Roy family are tearing themselves apart and I cannot wait for the inevitable, someone's going to die. Someone has to die. Mm. It's going to be amazing. That's my week, Rob. It's amazing. In succession, I'm re-watching the episodes as they go to air. That's how much I'm loving it. Uh, Mate, there is a fabulous interview with the showrunner of Succession Mm -hmm. on the latest edition of KCRW's The Business with Tim Masters. Um, Just a great insight on how the production works, how the pandemic affected them, how the whole show came about. A really good listen. And if you're listening to this podcast, I, I think... That is the podcast you should be listening to from the US perspective. Uh, Deals a lot with films, but uh, a lot of television news in there as well. So It's a great conversation about succession, isn't it? Yeah, it is a a great conversation. Do yourself a favour and subscribe to KCRW's The Business. Sarah, what have you been watching? Well, we all know I've been watching NCIS, don't we? Yes, we do. And then... Um, Matt actually turned on Succession because he thought it was a movie and I had to explain that it was a TV show, so we didn't start it yet because we've been watching the US version of Shameless because it was a British version years ago and instead of the Americans just, you know, buying that, we'll just make our own. Um, So we are, I think we just made it into season two um, and it is quite good. Excellent. Robbo, what have you been watching? Um, well, I'd like to say another hello to Brian Walsh at Foxtel. Um, <laughs> love all of your work that you're doing on Foxtel and love to get that. Well done, um, Brian, on Wentworth. Congratulations on yeah, loved, that. Yeah, love to do. Obviously, I said that to you the other night at dinner. I loved mm. Wentworth, but I meant to ask you about just getting a login so I can watch uh, Succession. Um, what I'm also watching is special on your Netflix that is about mm. a gay man living with cerebral palsy, it is absolutely beautiful and wonderful. There are two seasons on Netflix, so you should watch that. I'm still going with 30 Rock, and I love everything that um, uh, Mr. Walsh uh, puts out there. Well, I have been watching Gruen, and I've got to say, now that it's back, how well it shows how that format can work and pisses on that wannabe come lately question everything which was a pale imitation and didn't know what it was Gruen is the king, two totally the different master, shows compared unfairly. and I bow my head they're not different shows they are the only different difference shows is barely one has comedians the other has industry experts let's talk the only difference is they've got a second host without clearly defined purposes there's a Rob if you'd watched more than one episode you would understand it's actually a lot more than that well, Malk, I have watched more than one episode and I have come to my conclusion that that's pretty much what it is. Yes, it's not about advertising, but it's about the news of the week. But essentially, it's Gruen Light. 
I have also been watching Lucifer on Netflix, uh, watched Big Deal on the ABC. What an amazing series into uh, lobbyists in the powers of uh, the the corridors of power. And I think one of the most amazing things is not the fact that you can get seated next to a minister to exert your influence for $100,000. I think the bigger story here is that all these lobbyists have passes to the back of house of Parliament House, the restricted area where the public are not allowed to go. I've been back in this area of Parliament House and once you're in there, you really do have free reign to go anywhere. And the fact that these lobbyists can do that blows my mind. Uh, I've also been watching the Goldbergs and um, Big Bang Theory because I love those things and I can just watch those. In in five-minute chunks. And I've been on tenderhooks, actually, because we lost the Foxtel Now remote. So we have a little um, curvy thing sitting in the um, lounge room and no remote. So I don't know where it ended up. I had to buy another one. My God, is that this? I've been looking at this thing this whole time thinking, what is this thing? Uh, That's all right. I bought another one and I've now been able to watch The Real Housewives of Melbourne with Angelie Rao. And isn't she a star? But by God, hasn't she also had to put up with a fair whack of shit? Well, you're nuttier than squirrel poo, right? What is very good about is that you're not a long-term fan of The Real Housewives of Melbourne. No. uh, And the Unreal Housewives podcast with Nick and Mulk can set you straight. We can make sure that you're aware of what's going on. Uh, Every Sunday night, 9.35 live on the Unreal Housewives podcast with Nick and Mulk Facebook page, our Instagram live, uh, or, of course, the podcast available on Spotify, Google, and Apple. No, I did watch, I did try The Real Housewives of Sydney and I hated it, Mulk. Hated it. Sure. Um, but I was actually enjoying The Real Housewives of Melbourne, but, you know, I didn't like the way my Andrew's treated, I'll tell you that. And one last thing. Uh, yes, I did go to the Italian Film Festival last night and <gasps> saw the opening night movie called The Ties. <gasps> People, do yourself a favour and see this film. One of the best... Just the the storyline, the acting, the cinematography and the narrative, the way it pieces the whole thing together and tells this story, just brilliant. Loved it, loved it. Didn't even notice I was reading subtitles. Um, Aaron, what have you been watching? Stand by Channel 10 for a compliment. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Thank you. To Channel 10 and to Working Dog for actually listening to the audience. The Cheap Seats is now in my appointment viewing each week with Have You Been Paying Attention. It is getting really, really funny. What have they done? Haven't missed an episode. It's really matured. Yeah, it's hard to even put... Like a, like words into it. They've obviously got rid of that whole heap of New Zealand stuff. They throw in a couple of funny uh-huh. ones here and there, but the engagement between the guests that they have just seems to be better. It just, it's, it just, and I think the two hosts have grown together and a, and a, and a funnier. I think it's just a. It's I thought a, the hosts were always funny. To be honest, it was just the amount of New Zealand content, and after the first segment, maybe possibly second, in the early days, it just waned. So you know, I'll give it another go. Yeah, I think Tim was a little bit shaky, but the chemistry that they now have is, is actually really good. So that's the cheap seats. I'm watching a series on Netflix called Pretty 
pretty smart. Oh, it's called pretty smart. Yeah. Um, it says book smart. Chelsea discovers um, that she has a lot to learn about happiness after moving in with her bubbly sister and her three housemates. So basically they're all airheads, but they're really kind people. It's a bit hit and miss, but a lot of stereotypes are there, but it's, it's easy watching just something I tuned into. I like Justin Bieber. So I watched um, our world on Amazon. Um, so I went into it with an open mind because I like him, but it was terrible. It was crap. It was just, it, it just just was bad. Um, <laughs> the the other show, like I've been watching Love Island, I really think I need counselling because I, I want to look at myself as to why I'm watching this show. These people are pathetic, brain-dead social media idiots. At least the first season had some authenticity in it a little bit. Um, but this season is so bad, but I can't stop watching. I really cannot stop watching. And why am I watching? I don't know. I need to go to a counsellor and find out. But anyway, um, my best show, and you'll love this one for people of the 80s, Chucky is back. You know the doll? The killing yeah. doll? Yeah. So he's got a brand new t- t- uh, television series. It starts on 9 now on the 31st of August, uh, the 31st of October, they are slow tracking it, but I'm guessing they're just wanting to start um, with Halloween, obviously. So maybe they'll catch up for then. But yeah, I've actually watched the first couple of episodes and, you know, I don't know, Chucky, they started with a child's play movies, obviously in the eighties and it's been going throughout the nineties and two thousands. Um, and it's silly, but it's fun. And yeah, he's still out murdering people. It's great. And again, I'd just like to quickly say whoever's programming Channel 9, I'd also love to get on that uh, that website so I could see some of these TV shows. <laughs> it's a free website. You just have to No, no, I want to go on the, the other one, the special one. He wants access to the media room. You have to do at least three podcasts first before you get access to <laughs> the hey, visual medium, but I'm betting that people can understand what I'm doing right now. And that brings us to the end of TV Black Box for another week. Don't forget to go to tvblackbox.com.au for the very latest news and exclusive stories. This episode was produced by Abby Mickelson, as it always is. Thank you, Abby. We will see you next week. Thank you, Mog. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Robbo. And thank you, Aaron. Goodbye. Australia. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.